everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you about strange things that happen in history. I'm Amelia Edwards and with me as always is my co-host Barnaby King. Hello there. Hello there. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm pretty good. Good. Is it summer holidays still? It is. Yeah, and I'm getting a new car. (gasps) Very fancy, a hybrid. Oh yes, I'm so good to the environment. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, it's a really nice car. I'm very excited. <laughs> uh, we're getting we're getting towards middle age there, aren't we? With that whole kind of, you know, new car, working on the house, spending the summer holidays, building desks, that kind of thing. I suppose, but being excited about a new car is quite a young man thing as well. All right, I suppose so. Yeah. I guess today I'm just thinking a lot about, like, us being millennials and we're not the young generation anymore no that's true we got generation z coming up yep and many people seem insistent that millennials and generation z hate each other and i don't think we care well (laughs) to be honest i think on the whole generation z seems to be doing a good job yeah I think that they're idealistic because that's the point of being a young, a young person. Yeah. And I'm really pleased for them that the internet allows them to do that and they don't have to have the crushing blows of everything that happened when we were their age. Instead, that's already happened. Mm, yes. Yes, the the financial crash had well and truly happened. Yeah, very much so. Um, the, the reason I'm actually thinking about Generation Z is because... I think there's this kind of belief that seems to come round every single time there's a new generation, <laughs> which is like, young people, they are too woke or <laughs> they go out too much yeah. and party. Yep. They want things that we never wanted when we were their age. Yeah. Which it definitely isn't true as a millennial talking about Generation Z. As far as no. I'm concerned, we're basically the same people, but a bit older. Yeah. And it still wasn't true back in the medieval period. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, like, there is that belief that happened for a really long time that, like, teenagerdom was only invented with the boomer generation. Mm. And I'm not sure that's 100% true at all. Like, the idea of having some time in which to grow up without having to work really hard for a living definitely was a new thing but apart Mm. from that like it's more of a naming thing than actually you know inventing a new concept yeah and like with this in mind i want to talk about the children's crusade oh okay okay right the children's crusade yeah this is they they crusaded for more crayons or some shit (laughs) what are kids like i don't know well, children in 1212, which is when we're talking about, um, what they really liked was converting Muslims to Catholicism using <laughs> non-violent means oh, amazing. and getting back the true cross. Oh, amazing. Like, that's what they want to do. Yeah. You, but, you know, kids just want to have fun. It's like, guys, it's kind of offensive that you want to go over there and kill them all. Yeah. We can spread the faith in a much better way. Absolutely. Like, And this is, this is genuinely their thing. This is the children's crusade. And the crusaders were like, no, this is cancel culture. <laughs> How dare you try and cancel us? I hate to say it, but that's exactly... Oh, wow, okay. That that does sort of seem 
to be the thing a bit. People really are not as original as they think they are. No, no. <laughs> Nothing's new. To be fair, the whole idea of cancel culture is not even it's new in our thing. lifetime. <laughs> Like, okay yeah again no. it's just a name it's just a name yeah all right so um this is that time when children took on the crusade and tried their best but ultimately <laughs> didn't do so well because they're kids right <laughs> we'll probably shorten that down for the title i was gonna say that's a bit long for a title yeah, it's a little bit long. um you were looking at me weird so i just kept talking oh fair enough <laughs> okay no i'm just squinting at you because i've got the sun in my eyes oh should we do something about that <laughs> no it's Are all right sure? yeah no okay. it's fine i'll just look at you weird all right i'll just be like looking quizzically at you every time you speak you, you really do yeah what's what's going on over there okay who are you <laughs> why are you in my house even we're, though this is technically your house. We're doing a podcast. What? Well, when did that happen? We've been doing it for more than a year. We have? Yes. And you are? I'm Amelia Edwards, and okay. you're my co-host, Barnaby King. Oh. Okay. Right. And this is a podcast? It is. Shall- about... It's, it's about the Children's Crusade. Ah. What an odd topic for a podcast. Do you a want- podcast all about the Children's Crusade, is it? This episode is. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Do you want us to actually get on to the main yeah, probably. bulk of the episode? Probably. Maybe then I'll remember who you are. Possibly. All right, so... Um- oh, shit, you're Amelia. Okay. <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> right. 1212 mm. was a really important... Like, it was a really worrisome time if you were Christian. Okay. Um, especially if you're in mainland Europe. Right. So... First up, there has been a recent Muslim invasion from North Africa into Spain. Right, yeah. Um, and this actually led to the fall of the castle of Salvatierra, which mm. is in the Castilian part of Spain. It might be in the Basque province. I got a bit confused by where it is, actually, because it's now a ruin. Right, okay. Um, and that happened in 1211. And the Pope encouraged everyone to pray and hold processions for what he considered to be an endangered church of Spain. Yeah. Like, he thought the whole of Spain's going to fall. <laughs> this was Pope George Bush I, <laughs> who said, My fellow Catholics, um, <laughs> we need to band together to get the Muslims out of Spain. This is Pope Innocent III, ah. who we've encountered before. We have, I recognise the name. Because he was also Pope when St. Francis was about. Oh, that's it. So, okay. So in 1212, St. Francis is also going around preaching to the people. Mm. He's there in the background somewhere, probably in northern Italy. Probably naked. Probably. (laughs) Definitely barefoot. Yeah. And also, in 1212, the Albigensian Crusade had just ended. The what? So I might talk about this in more detail another time. But basically, there were a group of heretics called the Cathars. I've heard of the Cathars. You have, because I've talked about them a lot. I think they were pretty cool. And the Cathars um, basically count as heretics in northern France. Okay. Um, And so Pope Innocent III was like, well, we can't have this, and sent Mm. a bunch of people to go massacre them. Oh, fair enough. It's really hideous. Yeah. It led to one of, like, possibly one of the worst things in terms of medieval crusading viewpoints, because there was a town in the south of France where a number of the people living there were Cathars and a number of them were Catholic and people were like let's just kill them all and let God sort it out oh (sighs) no 
So yeah, in terms of bad medieval crusading stuff, yeah. it's it's all happening. Yeah. And now the thing we know about crusades is that it does build up a sort of fervor among the people. Yeah. But most people going on crusades aren't the people. They're wealthy people. Right. They might take a bunch of soldiers with them and they will be, you know, regular people. Yeah. But most of the people actually taking the cross and doing this off their own volition, mm-hmm. they are white wealthy men. Ah, right. And you know what young people hate? <laughs> white wealthy men? Yes. Yep. So well, why is the younger generation demonizing us <laughs> just because I drink the blood from the young to sustain my youth? Well, I mean, we talked a bit before about um, the imprisonment of Richard the Lionheart. Mm. Think about how much he was splashing his cash around yeah. like an insane person. Yep. And this was at a point where there was a reasonable amount of poverty in the land. Like, it's mad. Just... And these are the people who are going on crusade and getting to live that lifestyle. Yeah, it's like um, the UK government trying to build this £250 million super yacht while there are many places where people live in poverty and, like, there are food banks everywhere. And it's like... Maybe maybe you shouldn't be splashing money out on a big old yacht. Yeah, nothing ever changes, does it? No, it really doesn't. Okay, now I, at first That could thought... almost be a subtitle for this podcast. <laughs> that time when... Nothing dot, dot, changed. Dot, nothing ever changes. <laughs> well, nothing changed. Yeah, that's better. Mm. Okay, so I thought originally that this was going to be a piece of absolutely bummer history, as mm. in, like, this is the most depressing thing you've ever heard. Please don't use a homophobic slur on this podcast. Does it count as a homophobic slur? No, it slur? doesn't. It doesn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> basically, I was using the fact that you did a really sad story last time <laughs> as my excuse for doing this now. I think you found it sadder than many other people. It's really sad. I did not, okay, we did fine. not get that sort of response to it. Okay. Um, <laughs> it turns out that the story may not be as miserable as I had originally thought. Because oh, okay. I'd heard the, the traditional story. Mm. And like any traditional story that comes to us from the Middle Ages is going to be a little bit warped. Yeah. So I've tried to uncover the actual original story. I'm going to try and tell you both. Okay. So I'm going to start off with the traditional story. Mm. So the traditional story is that a boy began to preach either in France or in Germany and claimed that he had had visions and had been visited by Jesus. Okay. Pretty straightforward so far. Yeah. Um, Jesus told him to lead a crusade in order to peacefully convert Muslims to Christianity. Okay. And this is pretty standard visions here. Pretty standard visions so far. But this boy not only has visions, he also has the ability to create miracles. Oh, okay. And saint like boy. portents. He's a saint boy. And he gains a following. Saint boy. Who is that mass vigilante going across the streets peacefully converting Muslims? Saint boy! Oh, you laugh, but there have been a comic book there has been a comic book series made by DC and Vertigo um, right? called The Children's Crusade that oh. riffs on this whole topic. Oh wow, okay. The first um the first bookend to it was made by Neil Gaiman. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so um he gains a following of up to thirty thousand children. Whoa. And he leads his followers south towards the Mediterranean Sea in the belief that the sea will part on their arrival and allow him and his followers to walk to Jerusalem. As a bold claim. Bold claim doesn't work. Yeah. 
Makes sense. So <laughs> they get captured oh. and sold into slavery. Oh, God. To two merchants called Hugh the Iron and William of Posqueras. Okay. And they give passage to, to the children who believe that they're going to the Holy Land. Yeah. But instead, they're either taken to Tunisia and sold into slavery there, mm. or they die in a shipwreck on San Pietro Island of Sardinia during a gale. Mm. Now, the good thing is that last part did not happen. But the slavery, that happened. No, no, no. The slavery did not happen. <laughs> oh, okay. That's the reason I thought that this was going to be, like, the saddest story. Right, I see. Just about 30,000 kids dying or being enslaved. Yeah. No. It's okay. not quite that bad. There are bad things that happen to a lot of these kids. Right. Um, because, you know, it's the Middle Ages and they're trying to travel really long distances. Yeah. But... It's not as bad as that. Right, okay. Okay, so I'm going to tell you the actual story now. So, actually, there were two boys Mm -hmm. who both started their own crusade Ah, in 1212. Right. Now, one of these was Nicholas, Mm -hmm. and Nicholas was a shepherd from Cologne. Right. The other was Stephen, or Etienne. Right. Of Cloyes. He was a shepherd. Ah. <laughs> they were both shepherds. It always happens to shepherds. I think they've got a lot of time yeah. to like think about things. And just sort of like stare. And it's that thing where it's like if you're just in one place and you're just staring at something for long enough, you like you go a bit weird. It could be. <laughs> like it could be the fact that you're outdoors a lot without other people. Yeah, plus you're looking after sheep. And you've got to keep counting them. Mm. So obviously you keep falling asleep and having dreams (laughs) and thinking that, you know, you're just having visions. But no, you're just having dreams. Then you wake up again and it's like, oh, oh, I received such a vision. Let me quickly count my flock. One, two. (laughs) Another vision. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Now, I don't know how old Nicholas was, Mm -hmm. but apparently he was pretty young. Okay. Um. Stephen was 12. Right. I really hope that Nicholas was 12 as well, because then we've got two 12-year-old boys in 1212. That's true. Okay, so Nicholas's crusade was first. Right. And that began in the early spring of 1212. Oh, so they did separate crusades? Yeah, they didn't know each other. Oh, they never met. They did. Oh, okay. This is the thing that's kind of interesting. It's weird. Well, this is the thing. Okay, so... In medieval times, you get a lot of these, like, either coincidences or things that seem to be really well organized and mm. you can't work out how. Yeah. So an example of this is, like, the Peasants' Revolt during the time of Richard II. Right. So in the Peasants' Revolt, there were a group of peasants who came down from Norfolk and Suffolk. Right. There was another group of peasants that came up from Kent and Sussex. And mm. I think there was even a group coming from Cornwall. Wow. And they all did this in response to the poll tax. Yeah. But the fact that they all like converged on London at the same time means that historians think there must have been some way they were communicating, but no one can work out what it was. Or that's just how you, as a ruler, know you have f- <laughs> so badly that everyone just immediately went nope mm-hmm. and went like all had the same idea yeah like in this case we've got two young shepherd boys mm-hmm. completely different areas yeah they both get more or less the same idea and start gathering followers mm. 
And as far as I can tell, they never met each other. Right. Their goals are slightly different. Okay. So we'll talk through them one at a time. And we'll start off with Nicholas because he's first. He happens in spring. Okay. So he basically, he was the one who went, you know, I really want to go and convert the Muslims in a peaceful manner. Yeah. And he believed that the strength of his belief and his followers' belief would do it. Right. Like, sorted. Which, okay, I mean... It's young people, they're idealistic. Yeah. I think that's kind of what's going on here. And I guess if you've had visions and you're at that age where you kind of think you're immortal... Yeah. And, you know, that you're going to change the world sort of thing... Yeah, I could see I could see you getting that impression. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And the thing is that... He's Nicholas seems to have this incredible like pull to him. Mm. So he started off by gathering disciples around him in Cologne, mm-hmm. and then his disciples went off and they preached the call for the crusade across German lands and then massed everyone back. Damn. Within a few weeks. Wow. Um now he had thousands of followers within oh, those few weeks. So he's charismatic. Yeah. His followers are really charismatic as well. Yeah. That's um, some good cult material right there. It's definitely a cult. Yeah. It's pretty impressive. Okay, so I don't have... <laughs> if only he, if only in those days he had something like Patreon and he could monetize it. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Most of these people are peasants. Yeah. So you're not going to be able to monetize this. You could ask for eels. I suppose you could. Yeah. Did they do eel trading in Germany as well? Almost definitely. Fabulous. We'll have to ask Dr. Greenlee. Yeah. If you're listening, Dr. Greenlee. (laughs) (laughs) Question. Okay, so the thing is, though, the journey was really, really awful. They went to Switzerland first. Right. At this point, two out of every three people died on this journey. And I suspect this is because they're all peasantry. Yeah. A lot of them are young. Yeah. And they don't really have any money to make this journey. They're doing it on foot. Yeah. Like, while they'll be hardworking people, they won't be used to a long trek like that. Yeah, that would make sense. And it involves crossing the Alps. Yeah, and you're not going to be... You're Like, you're a peasant. You're not going to be in the best shape. Like, your nutrition is not... Mm. gonna be the best you're definitely lacking in a few essential vitamins right there oh definitely (laughs) and then you take up mountaineering as a response to that (laughs) now a lot of these people also left and just went home at this point which is like sure that kids (laughs) i couldn't work out how many people started off on this crusade right but i think it says a lot that after all of that seven thousand people arrived in genoa whoa yeah that's amazing. Yeah, and this is by late August. So they've been doing this for like nearly quarter of a year. Yeah. So if we're thinking like that that is about a third of the original number, yeah. then we're getting to that 30,000 figure from the traditional story. Yeah, we are. That's amazing. Which is insane. Yeah. Like these people have left their home and gone hundreds of miles mm. just on the basis of some shepherd. Yeah. And possibly a very young shepherd at Mm. that. Two years old. (laughs) Now, this is the problem, though. Nicholas did believe that the sea would part and allow them to go through. Right. And when they got to Genoa, they went to the harbour, expecting the sea to divide. And when it didn't, they were really disappointed. Yeah, you would be. 
And some of them ac- accused Nicholas of betraying them because this Aww. is what he said would happen and it didn't. Oh, that's, uh, I'm actually, that's actually a bit sad. It is sad. But yeah. do you know what? What? Um, the... He just flashed them his award-winning smile <laughs> yeah. and they were like, Nicholas, you bastard, we're back in. No, what's interesting about this is that the Genoese authorities thought that these people were really cool. Oh, right. Um, They thought, you know, they've tried really hard. This is really impressive what they've just done. So they offered citizenship to anyone who wanted to settle there. Wow. And a lot of people took up this opportunity. That's amazing. Which is super cool, especially because I think, and don't quote me on this, but I think this might have been the point where you still had to leave your village for a year in order to get out of the feudal system. Right. So being offered citizenship of, yeah, I think, quite a wealthy town, Yeah. that's an amazing opportunity. And these people have just been offered it on the basis of the fact that they're clearly quite enterprising. Yeah. Genoa is one of those places that feels like it was always a big thing in history. I think so. I think it might have been something to do with the banking industry like uh, quite yeah. early on. So, it's a good place to be. Yeah, it's a bit it uh, makes me think of um a bit like Venice. Really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that kind of deal. Yeah. But a little a little bit less fancy, I oh, think. Oh, yes, but you know, still still good though. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you're going to be offered citizenship anywhere in this era, that's a good place to be offered. Yeah, basically. Um So a little bit of a happy ending for a lot of these people. Yeah. Now, not everyone took it up, um, including Nicholas. Because Nicholas is like, no, we can still do this. Yeah. He's pretty determined, which makes sense because you'd have to be pretty determined to Mm. get your around 30,000 followers or whatever. Yeah. Um, And so he travelled to Pisa... And people basically keep flaking off all the way through this journey. Makes sense. Um, He travelled to Pisa, and then two ships, which were going to Palestine, agreed to take several of these crusaders to the Holy Land. We don't know if they ever got there. Like, basically just because nothing says. Okay. So they could have got there. Mm. They could have succeeded. Nicholas didn't go with them. Oh, okay. Because Nicholas wanted to get official sanctions for his crusades. Ah, because I was wondering why he then went to Pisa, but I imagine, so he's, is he going to Rome? Yes. Right. He's going to see the Pope. He's going to see the Pope. Because all these people have taken the cross, but yeah. they haven't done it officially because yeah. the Pope hasn't said anything. So technically they're not crusaders, but everyone acknowledges that they are. He doesn't get the blue papal tick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, this is the bit of the story which is a bit sad. Okay. Because he did make it to Rome. Yeah. And met Pope Innocent III. Mm-hmm. And Pope Innocent III was like, no, you can't do a crusade. Go home. Yeah, saw that coming. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and many of them were like, you know what? We've gone to see the Pope. The Pope's told us to go home. Mm. So we're going to go home. This was a fun holiday. Yeah. We went to Genoa. We saw the Pope. Yeah. Ah, it's great. Let's go back home. I mean, quite an experience, to yeah. be honest. Apart from the misery, it seems, of doing any kind of traveling in medieval times in large groups. <laughs> yeah. Like, it sounds kind of interesting, yeah. especially if the rest of your life is going to be watching sheep in a field in Cologne. Yeah. Let's go home. I need to watch my sheep. I haven't slept very well since we left. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Now, the thing is that to go home, you had to go back over the Alps. Oh, yes, of course, yeah. Because <laughs> that pathway is still yeah. not there. 
And Nicholas didn't survive it. Oh, no. He genuinely actually died. Oh, that's such a shame. Which is a shame. And meanwhile, back home, his father was also arrested. Whoa. Because the families whose relatives had died on this crusade were really, really angry. Yeah, that does kind of make sense. So they arrested his dad and hanged him for it. Whoa, okay. Yeah, people were pissed. Yeah. Which is kind of understandable. Yeah. Like, apparently a reasonable number of the people who wanted to go on crusade were definitely young. Yeah. Like, at the sort of age where you've got to agree with your parents to do yeah. anything and some parents had had to lock their children in their homes to stop them from going because yeah. they were so keen on doing this you don't understand me dad i've got to go on <laughs> crusade you're not just going to be able to convert muslims by talking <laughs> nicely to them you just don't get it dad you don't get nicholas he's so cool <laughs> he'll go and the muslims are going to be like oh yeah you're right we've got to be christian you just don't think that because you're old this is literally what's happening though. Yeah. Why does nothing change? <laughs> sorry, I know I say it a lot on this podcast, but nothing changes. Yeah, this feels particularly true in this case. Yeah, basically. So we've got this young, idealistic mm-hmm. um, man who's like really... People really want to follow him. I think he's a pop star of his era. I was imagining him as being like an influencer, like te- <laughs> like taking video himself. Hey guys, just had another vision. <laughs> oh my god, yes. God he, says he we've would got be to go big to, on the TikToks. God says we've got to go to the Holy Land. Hashtag Crusader. Uh, <laughs> do they do hashtags on TikTok? I don't know. I don't know either. I'm not young enough to know. No. <laughs> but you're you're in school. You've got students who who love. Oh yeah, they love the TikTok. Yeah. Um, so I, I I always turn to you on with questions like these. I have no idea. I imagine that they must still use them because otherwise, how would you decide what content was yeah. good? Because our friend Kira, who is slightly younger than us and is also on TikTok, too old to be on TikTok to be honest. <laughs> Rude. Um, <laughs> She she goes on it, and there's definitely an algorithm that matches her to the things that she wants to watch. So yeah. hashtags would make sense, I guess. I, I mean, yeah, okay, fair enough. Mm. Anyways, moving on from our lack of knowledge about modern technology. Um, we do know that... <laughs> lack of knowledge about modern technology. While we talk into these talkie boxes, <laughs> and people listen to them from their listening doos I want to listen to you. That sounds great. It does, doesn't it? It sounds like something Grandpa Simpson would say. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk now about Stephen. 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 Um, So that is a reference. I. It's very. It's not relevant anymore. But that was from the Adam and Joe show. Is it? Well, it's from the the Adam and Joe uh, radio. Was it Radio Five? No, six music, six music. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I thought you knew this. No, I thought it was just a thing you did to our friend Stephen. Oh no! It, it's I thought from... it was a new thing that you had made up. No, I'm not. I'm not that original. Well, I am disappointed. Yeah. Oh, no. Okay. Well, you shouldn't be that disappointed. We've just learned that nothing is really original. <laughs> That's true. Okay. So let's talk about Stephen's crusade. And mm-hmm. um, so this started off in June of right. the same year. Yeah. Uh, when he said that he had a letter for the King of France. 
Okay. And this letter was from Jesus. Yay! <laughs> oh, so formal. I know! <laughs> it's great. It's like, I don't just want to talk to you. I've got a letter for you from <laughs> Jesus. Now, this baffles me because I don't know whether he would have been able to write. That is a good question. So yeah. getting hold of a letter actually sounds like it could have come from Jesus. Mm. Because where else would you get it? Well, it could just be someone wandering by who, you know, a bit of a scholar, maybe looks a bit like Jesus. And is like, <laughs> you there, boy, what day is it? Why, it's June the something. Mm. And he's like, oh, great. Send this to the King of France. Okay. And, you know, he's got those white robes. He's got, like, a purple sash for some reason. So you're like, well, clearly Jesus. <laughs> oh, yeah. For a moment there, when you said you thought purple. it was a senator, uh, yes, I did. I was very confused. I was like, "Why is a Roman senator wandering around?" But yes, all those paintings and yeah, yeah. Why does Jesus look like a Roman senator? I don't know. Yeah, questions that never get asked. Yeah. Okay, so um, large groups of youth around his age were drawn to him, like just like with Nicholas. Yeah, and most of them also thought that they could work miracles. Oh, okay. So. Stephen really is an influencer. Yeah. Like, all the people around him are like, I'm just like him. I can work miracles. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, okay. Um, And he definitely attracted a following of over 30,000 people. Wow. So this means that the original legend is actually underestimating yeah. because there's at least 60,000 crusaders. Yeah. That's mad. Yes. Because when you said 30,000, I was like, that seems like a lot. Surely yeah. that's part of the exaggeration. Nope. Wow. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So he's got 30,000 followers, more than 30,000 followers. But his crusade isn't so much of a crusade as a little bit of a jaunt. Okay. So... I mean, it's probably going to be more successful than I imagine. Uh, well, given that his goal <laughs> is to go and talk to... <laughs> the king of france and yeah. give him a letter this by the way is philippe you remember philippe oh no <laughs> okay right yeah wait is it that philippe i don't know it's philip the second anyways so <laughs> he goes from clois which is probably pronounced like cloa or something but yeah. it's got a y in it so i'm not sure mm. um to saint denis in paris okay um this, by the way, I looked it up on Google Maps. It would take 29 hours to walk. Oh, wow. So it's not like the longest crusade. No, but if you're massing a huge amount of people to go with you... Yeah, I guess if you then... take 30,000 people with you, that yeah. would take a while. You're, you're going to go at about the speed of the slowest person. Yeah. And that, by the way, may be a very old man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Or a very young boy. True. Um, Two and... years old if he's a day. <laughs> waddling along. <laughs> I, I was going to say waddling along, but the thing is, I don't actually know when children walk, so... I think two-year-olds can walk. Okay, cool. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, fair enough. Mm. Not well, obviously. No, no. Um, they can't do many things well. They can't hold power tools. <laughs> they can't do your accounts for you. What's even the point of them? Well, they can go on crusades. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. Sorted. Yeah. All right. Let's send all the children on crusades. Sounds like it did. <laughs> Sounds like it built character in those days. But now we're too soft. Everyone's concerned about their mental health and not about whether or not we should be sending children on crusade. Yeah, why isn't this the true test of 
like strength rather than the Olympics yeah. and trying to do many, many backflips. Yeah. We should be seeing if we can convert everyone to Catholicism. Well, I mean, this is the thing recently, the UK government's trying to um, get more school children to learn Latin. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, which... I mean, that is how we will get everyone equal barnaby yes absolutely but what they should really be focusing on is getting those children on crusade (laughs) true build character (laughs) reclaim the holy land and they can do it in latin yes there you go sorted there you go perfect let's write to jacob reese mogg yeah wait he does he accept le- I think he'll probably still accept Telegram or something. He doesn't work for the Department for Education at all. I know, but he's funny because he's so god awful. True, true. Okay, so he goes to Paris, Stephen, not Jacob Rees-Mogg, <laughs> and he is reported to cause miracles. Ah, okay. Um, but Philip II, having heard about this, is like. Go home. This is weird, and I don't want all these peasants in Paris. Oh, oh, Philippe. I feel like you could make time to just speak to Nicholas. Come uh, on, Philippe. We know you're not doing much. You're just possibly looking for Richard the Lionheart. Uh, it's not Nicholas, by the way. It's Stephen. Oh, sorry, Stephen. Quite all right, because these two are very similar. Yeah. Uh, Philippe doesn't want to talk to a twelve-year-old shepherd. Well, what a dick. Yeah, basically. <laughs> he is the Jacob Rees-Mogg of his era. He is. He appears in a top hat and is like, go home until you've learned enough Latin to speak to me. <laughs> go home. Nanny says you're not allowed. <laughs> okay, so he says, you know, go home. I'm not taking you seriously. You're mm. a kid and a peasant yeah. and all of those things are not okay. Yeah. And Stephen is like, I'm going to stay here. And he starts preaching at a nearby abbey. And then he goes around France, spreading the messages as he goes. And then he promises to lead charges of Christ to Jerusalem. Right. So he starts to get that kind of crusading fervor going on. And the thing is that the church is obviously skeptical. Yeah. Pope Innocent III, I think by this point, has already been like, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) We've had a group of... A group of older boys came through here and now these younger boys think that it's a very clever thing to do, but you know, it's just a bad idea. It's not smart. It's not impressing anyone. (laughs) You just turn up with your teacher voice. Children, go home. (laughs) You're letting yourselves down. (laughs) And I would say you're letting your schools down, but you don't go to school. (laughs) You're letting your sheep down. (laughs) I mean, probably. Who's looking after <laughs> anything right now? 30,000 yeah. people have just come from Cloys. Yeah. Like, it's not it's not going to be a great time back there. No. Um, so it seems that, once again, we have the same deal going on where mm. he starts off with 30,000 people and then gradually people flake off, they go back home, they're yeah. like, we need to make... Well, not money because this is peasant days, but we need to go and get some food. Yeah. Um, we need to go back to the fields because otherwise everything's going to be a big old mess. Yeah. Um, so by the end... <laughs> At this point, they realise, you know what? We're actually pretty important around here. We grow a lot of food. Maybe we could unionise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to remember when the Black Death was. Uh, oh yeah, good No, point. that's after no, this. That's, that's after that's this. That's after this, yeah. No, actually, this is a point because... The deal with the Black Death, which I think was in the 1300s, yeah, um, was that it did give 
peasants a lot more power mm. because there were less of them. Yeah. In the 1200s, they must actually have been at a bit of a boom period. Right. So actually, they must have been getting to the point where they were really underpaid mm. and undervalued because there were just so many of them. Well, they'd the Pope George Bush had just declared war and, you know, everyone knew it was actually all about the oil. That's so true. They got all that sweet oil money. But given that it was the time, it was olive oil. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, it was Spain. Oh, yeah, true. <laughs> um, actually, this kind of worked perfectly. So Stephen's crusade is quite short, Okay. At the end of June, he led his crusaders from Vendôme to Marseille, mm-hmm. and they survived by begging for food. But most of them seem to have got a bit disheartened by it, and yeah. in the end, it all kind of breaks up and they go home. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's like one of these things, there's like this real pitch of idealism. Mm. They meet the hardships of like the world, and ultimately, they have to kind of give up and go home. But, you know, I think it is one of those it's one of those things that people do it shows that there's the enthusiasm yeah. and that once again i think it really shows that youth kind of doesn't really change like mm. you get these really enthusiastic people and well it's, it's that kind of generational antagonism yeah. that doesn't seem to really change so one thing that i do have to deal with is whether the children's crusades were actually entirely children yeah, I, I got the impression, like, at first, I imagine, like, 30,000 children. Mm. And then I get the impression that, you know, you've got this kind of ringleader who's a child who's having these visions, and then you're getting a mix of people. Yeah, and I think that's probably the case. Yeah. So there is an argument about whether they were mostly children or whether it was just, like, a popular movement of the poor. Yeah. And the reason for this is because... Most of the accounts written about the crusade at the time mm-hmm. didn't mention the age of the crusaders. Right, yeah. There were two that did. Oh, okay. Uh, these were by William of Andre and Alberic of Troisfontaine. Mm, nice Good names, thank you. Now, they used the terms parvuli and infantes to describe the children. Right. Or to describe the crusaders. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, other accounts that were later on called them pueri or puerti. Mm. So all boys. of these mean young, yeah. like young boys. Now, the German historian Peter Reds, who was writing in the 1970s about this, mm-hmm. said that pueri in the chronicles and other documents might not signify an age group. Okay. And this was because people tended to call anyone who was unlanded a child oh wow that's really offensive it's super (laughs) offensive like there's this i there was this you don't have land you're a child so you know like when shakespeare does all the world's a stage and then does the seven ages of man yeah there's kind of apparently there was like a medieval association as well with between ages and like the the stage of life you should be at right and the problem with that is that obviously with peasants, yeah. a lot of them are going to stay at one stage for a long time because they don't have the wherewithal to get, yeah. you know, a house or Social a mortgage. Social advancement or... is just not a thing. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they sometimes get referred to as children. Right. Because they get classified into the same group. Mm. Um, and that's what Reds says is what's happening here because they're landless peasants um 
they're landless peasants or day laborers, and that means that they yeah. get counted as pueri. Right. Okay. However, ooh, um, the chroniclers also emphasise the pre- prevalence of young people mm. in relation to other groups within the children's crusades. So they talk about the fact that there's a lot of young people, and um, compared to the number of urban labourers, mothers, and elderly oh, people. Okay. And um, as well as this, we have the fact that we know that some of the would-be crusaders got imprisoned in their own homes yeah. to stop them joining, which does yeah. heavily suggest that that's like your parents trying to stop you from going. Yes, exactly, yeah. And we also know that Stephen was young, mm-hmm. and I think it's it suggests to me that Nicholas must have been quite young if his yeah. dad was accused of being yeah, responsible. that would make sense. Like, if Nicholas had been, say, in his 20s and his oh, yeah, dad definitely. was executed for it, weird. that would be weird. Yeah. But if his dad still is seen as responsible for his son's actions, then mm. it seems to me he's a teenager, right? Yeah, and probably a fairly early teenager at that, at yeah. the latest. Control your son. Don't let him take 30,000 of our kids over the Alps. <laughs> what can I do? He's got all that money from YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it does seem, though, that it's mostly young people, which yeah. is actually insane when you it's think about cool. it it's really cool and i wonder if it's to do with the fact that young people as well as being idealistic mm. they also kind of had that that period of freedom still yeah given that we know peasants tended to get married a little bit later in life yeah than wealthy people because they didn't need to get married so no, young. you don't need to create family ties really yeah so that means that there would have been a reasonable age gap between you feeling like you want some more independence from mm. your family and then getting tied into becoming a mother or yeah. a father yourself. So I kind of wonder whether that age group is yeah, like someone who's kind of prevalent, like someone who's kind of tempted to join in big popular movements. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Mm. There's probably some research in that. Probably. But I am not the person to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. And if you have any suggestions for episodes, you can email them to us at ttwpod at gmail.com. Thank you, as ever, to Kevin McLeod for our theme song Anachronist, as well as for any other music that Barnaby's used in the podcast. And thank you for listening. Now go out, invest in eels, and become Jesus's postman. Goodbye. <laughs>